Welcome to another episode of Pandemic Parenting with Pep, a podcast designed to help parents thrive, not just survive, this extra stressful period of parenting through the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm your host, Robbie Fox, Certified Parent Educator with the Parent Encouragement Program, or PEP as it's commonly known. PEP has been providing proven positive parenting education for nearly 40 years through in-person and online classes, and more recently has been offering free webinars and other resources to parents and caregivers struggling with life's current demands and stresses. You can access all of these resources through PEP's website at pepparent.org. Today, I'm joined by PEP leader extraordinaire Paige Trevor, who has been teaching PEP classes for nearly 20 years while also working as a professional organizer with Balancing Act, a company that she founded. She publishes a weekly blog called Nifty Tips, which is the intersection of parenting and organizing. Those are two things that didn't seem to intersect in my house. Um, they seem to run on parallel tracks, but um, I always enjoy the, the tips that you share in your blog each week, Paige. Um, she's also the mom of two boys, ages 22 and 20, both of whom are quarantining at home along with her husband and dog. Uh, Paige is here joining us today to talk a little bit about kind of putting the fun in pandemic parenting, um, helping us manage our expectations and, um, and such. So welcome, Paige. Thanks so much. It's great being here. Um, so you've got your boys home. What have been the challenges in your full house these past few weeks? Um, and what are kind of the things you've done to overcome them? Some of the challenges that pop up is, um, you know, that we are sort of operating on different schedules. So 20 and 22 year olds like to sleep late and stay up late. Um, they also have different sort of uh, ideas of what a clean kitchen looks like. And <laughs> navigating those things have been, um, have been a challenge. Although I have to say, really, I am so grateful. And I say this a lot to people for PEP, because I think the, the skills that we practiced as a family for all those years have made it manageable and um, made it so that we problem solve, so that expectations stay in line rather than, you know, me thinking that it's developmentally appropriate that they wake up at 7 a.m. and that they keep the house really neat the way that middle-aged people like things. And, uh, and they're respectful kids. And I think it's because we raised them with these positive parenting techniques. So we talked earlier about parents right now having to wear a whole lot of different hats right now. Um, they're having to be homeschool teacher, short order cook, entertainer, enforcer, parent. Where does fun fit in and, and why do you think that's important? Oh, well, I think fun is really important. I think that the glue that holds relationships together are the fun times you have and the problems you endure. And, um, and sometimes there's fun in the moment and sometimes there's the hard thing that turns into a funny story later. And I think there's always time for fun. I think that we tend to, when we have problems as parents, get really serious and be like, okay, once everybody gets everything the way I want it, then we'll have a good time. And I think when we're together all the time, you almost want to turn that on its head and say, okay, let's have a little connection time. Maybe we could sing. Let's listen to your music while we're cleaning up the kitchen um, to add fun and to, into more things and, and, and using lightness and humor to give directions rather than terseness and shortness. Well, I know I was... I would mess myself up when I would do, do the whole work before play thing. I'm like, come on, let's get this up and then we mm -hmm. relax. And that's because I felt like I could relax more if that was done. 
Um, and I think those times when I did sort of flip it around and let's have fun. And then mm -hmm. everyone would tend to be more cooperative when it came time to do the little work piece. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Um, and, and, it, and you don't have to do that 100% of the time. So I always say to parents, like, you keep being you. And I think it's so hard to stop doing something. I think it's much easier to use your energy and willpower to add new things in. So just say to yourself, can twice a day I sing a song that something needs to be done? Twice a day, could I play a little card game before the table gets cleared? Rather than I'm going to become this new fun person. <laughs> Right, right. Balance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I know I also, I, I scroll through my social media feed, right? Mm -hmm. And I see one family performing a parody to One More Day from Les Miserables, and another one's designed a full-on quarantine Olympics and so on. And, you know, it can be fun on one hand to see these original ways of having fun, but it also can be discouraging to see how creative yeah. other folks can be. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, I was just chatting with some people and I'm like, oh my gosh, we're not playing games. We must be a bad family. And um, so I think your idea of fun is going to be a little bit different than everybody else's idea of fun. And, um, you know, we don't play games, but a couple of us started doing a daily doodle challenge that my stepsister invented. And um, uh, one of us and the other, we get in the car once a week and go to a tourist destination and walk around outside so we feel normal because that's fun to us. Mm -hmm. uh, another pair of people go out for walks and have heated political discussions because that's fun for them. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think don't, um, don't fall into compare and despair, especially on social media. I would look for it for inspiration, uh, but not to compare yourself to. I like, I like that phrase, compare and despair. I think mm -hmm. that we all fall into that trap. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And scrolling is really a double-edged sword there. So, you know, to, to minimize some of that during this time, I think is always a helpful thing for everybody, even though it's hard to do. There's also people who have talked about feeling guilty about mm. having fun. You know, there's so much gloom and doom right now. We know people are in, are hitting tough times. Um, and, you know, the families listening to this might be in tough times. And mm -hmm. so, it, you know, how can I allow myself to have fun when all this is going on and all this is so unknown and swirling? Um, yeah, so that's kind of the mindset that fun is frivolous and fun is an afterthought. And I come from the mindset that fun is an energy source and that when we let ourselves feel joy and have joy, we suddenly can get focus and motivation and it actually grows our empathy. And um, it, it's not about being frivolous. It's about creating that energy source that is life affirming um, in moments when you can. Mm -hmm. You'd also mentioned at one point like, like fun is the antidote to anxiety. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's Larry Cohen wrote that the book, um, The Opposite of Worry. And he goes through, uh, so people with kids, especially little kids, that book is so great because it gives you sort of step-by-step -step games that you can play with kids to, um, to ratchet their anxiety down. And the side benefit of that is when you're playing these games to help your kids, it helps you ratchet your anxiety down too. And interestingly, one thing that he says, and I've heard other places, is that kind of that roughhouse playing is a real stress reliever. So being loud and 
having a pillow fight or an obnoxious dance party or, you know, running outside and being actually really loud. Those are things that really can help you get into, shift into a mindset where you can access your prefrontal cortex and calm. You know, and, and these, so many of these kids are missing those activities that they're involved in, right? All those sports things they're involved uh-huh. in parent earlier today who, you know, she goes, well, my son used to swim 15 hours a week. And now, you know, he's that, that whole thing is missing. And I know with my daughter, getting her to do that, getting her to exercise and then study, you know, those endorphins were kicking in. And like you said, Mm -hmm. the cortex was stimulated. And so kids are missing those natural opportunities to kind of get moving and get their endorphins going. So you raise a good point about we have to create that time now. Yeah. Yeah, we have to add it in. And I know that just uh, my body is missing little things like walking to the car daily, you know, all that little bit of exercise that added up when you were living uh, not in quarantine is hard to replace and to be mindful that some grumpy moods and some saying no to helping out and some not feeling like cooperating is simply too much energy inside the body. Right. Right. Even though they they might be acting low energy. Oh gosh, absolutely. And you feel like the last thing I could possibly do is get up off this couch. And, um, and so we want to make it inviting right. to have them move their bodies and have us move our bodies. And one thing I think too, is having kids be in charge, asking them what they want to do and being game to doing it. And I think for parents, it's hard sometimes when you have little kids to pretend play, right? It feels dopey and silly and you don't feel like it and it's kind of boring. And so I always suggest if you feel that way, which I think Robbie, we all did, right? You set a timer for 15 minutes. And when you let yourself really get into it, five minutes, it's kind of like working out five minutes into it. If you can let go, you just find that it can be relaxing and your kid is so grateful and cooperative for a few hours after that. Right. And you know, those, those, that repetitive play, while it can seem so draining and boring to us as parents, it's actually comfort to them, mm-hmm. right? They take comfort from the known and the traditional. And when there's so much unknown and so much change going on right now, that's even more important. Yeah. And someone, um, there's a meme going around social media that says kids don't say, hey, I'm anxious. I'm having a bad day. They say, will you play with me? Uh, and I think that that's really, um, and, and sometimes, you know, parents, because we like to feel control, sometimes if you can do short bursts of play at predictable times with kids, that's useful rather than feeling like you have to react. So once in the morning for 10 minutes, once in the afternoon for 10 minutes, and once in the evening for 10 minutes, then it's a little bucket that you can say, oh, at noon, I can't wait to play that game for a little bit. Oh, you know, at 6 p.m., we're definitely going to do that. I'm, I'm there to play with you so that it's not hours and hours and it's predictable. And that's the, the perfect um, segue into two of Pep's foundational um, kind of tips and techniques, um, family fun and special time. Can you talk a little bit about how those work and why they can be so important to the family dynamic? Definitely. So special time is, um, is 
I call it the um, physical manifestation of your unconditional love. So we talk about how we have unconditional love for our kids and this is how you, how they can feel it in their bones. And special time is a date you make with your kid to spend about once a week, 20 minutes to half an hour doing what they want to do. And you want to avoid screens as much as possible. So that could look like Legos or baking with you. Um, and you introduce it to your child, you invite them to do it with you, you come up with the time, you put it on the calendar, and then you're always available for that time. So Saturday at 9.30, you're always available. If they don't feel like it, that's fine, but it's special times never taken away. Even if they just hit their sister or they just broke something expensive, you go ahead, you do special time, and then you address it later. And that really is a... Um, it creates wonderful memories. Sometimes it can be boring. That's why we always suggest you use a timer. So when it's over, it's over, you know, and, and, um, and you learn so much about your kids when you take the time to do that. And I know with teenagers, I've heard a lot of parents say that what would work was late at night when we're kind of out of words at the end of the day, and that's when they're just hitting their groove, right? Mm -hmm. Side by side with them on the bed is when they can tend to be more talkative. And like I said, we're out of words, so we're more likely to listen. And even just, you know, five, 10 minutes of that a night can serve, can fill that bucket. Yeah, someone um, had this great saying that she would walk into her teen's room and just say, hey, I was in the neighborhood, I thought I'd drop by. And just sort of, it's just such a non-threatening way to say, can I come in? And, um, and then you sit down and you just kind of see what happens. Uh-huh. And then family fun. Yeah. So family fun is where you get the family together, you brainstorm ideas on what you could do for fun, and then you, everybody says what they're willing and unwilling to do, and you pick family fun due to by consensus, not by majority rules. And um, then you do the family fun. And what that does is it helps kids activate their thinking part of their brain rather than their accept or reject part of the brain. Because a lot of times we offer a bajillion choices and they are just voting yay or nay. But when we really help kids brainstorm, when we give them space to brainstorm, they activate a whole other part of their brain. Didn't you guys meet with success with that whole problem solving model, Robbie, and your kids took it into the work world? Oh, yes. They um, were commended for brainstorming. Um, brainstorming. Yeah. And so we do family fun as a way to have families solve problems over something positive rather than waiting to have a family meeting and solve problems over something like chores or who's going to use the car when. So it's just a practice in solving a problem. Like how are we going to spend Saturday afternoon? And, and the result isn't going to be anybody feeling bad, but it's going to be um, having a good time together. And you'd be surprised the things kids come up with. Um, Someone showed me their list of ideas that uh, a nine-year-old was, you know, things they could do during the quarantine that didn't involve a screen. And this brilliant nine-year-old came up with caroling. And I just thought, no adult would ever in a million years come up with caroling in March. But he's like, you know, social distance, have fun, socialize, help someone. And so don't minimize their good ideas. Right. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. People who are putting the Christmas lights back up, right? Has a way of bringing cheer to yeah. the environment. We've been doing, I, I have been, I live with all men, so they don't care as much, but I've been lighting candles every single night at dinner. And I, I, I feel like it's not going to hurt anything. And it gives me a lot of, I feel like people linger longer when there's candles lit.
that's a great um, transition again to meal times. I mean, one benefit I am hearing from people is that they're eating more as a family than they did before. Um, I know in our household, we, we would set a timer for dinner. 30 minutes, you could eat in five, but you're sitting at the table for 30. Um, but our uh, promise back was that it was a no hassle zone. We weren't going to talk about yeah. that. We weren't going to talk about chores. We, you know, we were going to have some sort of conversation and, and um, you know, just explore whatever came up, whether it was current events or um, talking about childhood memories or, or whatever the case may be. But that seems to be one benefit. And people even talking about involving their, their kids in preparing one meal mm. a week. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I think that that's, you know, I, I, we have never had this many family dinners in a row, you know, because people aren't working late and people don't have sports. And, um, one thing I think that it's, you know, you can have all the, the stages set and it doesn't mean it's going to go perfectly. Um, and so one thing is this idea that family dinner is going to be fun every night is um, something you know, Pep is really helpful with, that it can go wrong and it doesn't mean you've done anything wrong. So in our family, we were having a lot of heated political discussions that um, were not, I couldn't stand, they, they were too much for me at dinner. So we have talked about that and then tried to come up with new topics so that all of us are comfortable at dinner time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and there's that table topics yeah physical one but there's an app i think tabletopics.com and um where if you're having trouble coming up with conversation starters that are not related to those things we mentioned um it was I, it was a great resource for us yeah no that's a really good idea too because it, it does it asks you really funny questions or interesting questions and you learn a lot about people you live with when you ask an open-ended question like what's your favorite room in the house and why right Right. Or what would you do with a million dollars? Those are the ones I remember, and I remember their answers to them, too. So anyway. Uh, that's great. So, you, you know, because of your organizational hat, mm -hmm. um, you talked about parenting and organizing, um, intersecting. How can parents incorporate fun into chores and to cleaning up? Yeah. Uh, well, so I think that one reason kids are allergic to chores is that we're usually not very good bosses. We're very demanding. We're very critical. We, we assume they haven't done much. They haven't done effort rather than they either it's not a priority for them or um, that you know, they're not experienced yet. So a way to handle chores a little more invitingly is to sort of gauge when the child might be willing, not when they're really tired, um, and make it small and be satisfied with what they did and have a few times under your belt where there are people that just showed up. They swept or there was stuff on the table to be set, and then grow it from there. A lot of times, too, it's great to invite kids to problem solve with you. So say you have a messy closet. You can say, gee, I'd really like another set of eyeballs on this. What do you think we should do first? Hmm. And people are much more likely to pitch in if they're experts than if they're someone who is in service to you. <laughs> Right. Our attitude has so much to do about it, right? Even just the word chore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> chore. And Abs yep. it has work versus, you know, it could be opportunities to, you know, um, to spend time together or opportunities to learn something new. 
Right. And, and we, um, there's this concept of what gets fired together gets wired together. So a lot of times we don't ask kids to help out until we're good and angry. And then we use a lot of intimidation to get kids to do stuff. And so we've accidentally fired anger and, and uh, negativity and wired that to chores. So sometimes it takes a while to rewire that. I find too that sometimes if kids are helpful and they're willing to help, we do exactly what we don't want them to do, which is they give us an inch and then we want a mile. So if they cheerfully help you with a chore to thank them and be done, don't try to milk more out of it. Right, and I know I always wanted to involve them in the laundry because that was my least favorite chore. <laughs> so I would have them to take it over, so I didn't have to do it. But why would I expect them to like it any more than I did? They would, they would tend to pick those things that I didn't think they were quite quite ready to do yet. But the fact is, they were ready to do, and it was more exciting for them. And why not? Definitely more interesting. Some stuff. Yeah, I have one kid who is game to help um, cook a lot at night, and then another kid who'd much rather do the dishes uh, before he goes to bed, and put on his music and be alone and and be in charge of everything. So you know, everybody's a little bit different. Right, right, and and they also like some positive power. Um, I know if I could give a choice, do you want to empty the dishwasher or walk the dog? You know, mm -hmm. if it was raining, they would choose dishwasher. If it was a nice day, they would walk the dog, you know, and I would know that, but at least I would give them the choice. Yeah. And, some power. and if you, if you have um, like a chore list and someday they don't feel like doing it, you know, be creative and say, what can I trade? Do you want to trade? Do you want to stay in and, you know, do, do you want me to set the table and you can clear the dishwasher? Right, right. Because we want it, we want it to feel like a co contribution rather than you owe me. This has all been helpful. I mean, it's great information. I think some of the takeaways, if I had to, you know, from what I heard, was our attitude has a lot to do with it. Mm -hmm. um, that we shouldn't necessarily put fun last. Mm -hmm. um, and just movement, the importance of movement. See, yeah. Yeah. And, and just to imbue humor with stuff, you know, don't talk so seriously. You can say exactly what you need to say, but say it singing or say it laying down or say it in a funny accent. And sometimes you just get a different result when you, when you mix it up a little bit and definitely ask for help. Yes. You know, I, I, I need more help. I, I, I haven't figured this quite out yet. Yes. Yes. All right, so I have a little rapid fire segment for you. I like to ask these questions of um, people who join on the podcast. Excellent. What, what would you say is your favorite parenting resource, such as like a book or podcast or article? So um, my favorite resource right now is that book I mentioned, which is um, The Opposite of Worry by Larry Cohen. And I think it just gives such great um, anxiety reducing uh, information and also talks about anxiety in, su in such a great way. Oh, so needed right now. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, what's your favorite parenting tip? Well, the one that has been coming to mind is now that I sort of have the second chance with my 20 and 22 year old after they've been gone almost three years, I really realized one of the things our kids want and need most from us is just our love and admiration for who they are today. Rather than I have some nifty tips that can help you be a little better <laughs> version of yourself. And so I think that, you know, once a day, at least just to take a minute and absorb them and love and admire them just exactly for who they are today is a huge 
um, gift. And I feel very fortunate I get this little couple months to practice that more often than I did when they were a little bit younger. Right. That's, that's great. Um, and do you have a favorite family tradition? Oh gosh. Okay. So we did this. Um, so I had my birthday during this and it was, um, I kind of had the blues and so they made me a dinner and then we went down and we watched home movies and we went through a um, period where my brother would create like a paintball battle theme and then we would make a movie from it. So like the Battle of Antietam or World War II or something like that. And I cannot tell you how joyful it is to go through those memories and watch the movies and see the whole family's um, contributions to making that event so silly and fun and um, such a great time. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's fun. Just sitting down and taking the time to watch home movies too is a... It was a gift and they all sat and acted interested for like almost an hour. It was really, it was, it was really very touching. <laughs> but our old, you know, when they were littler, we, uh, the favorite family tradition was we had um, taco night with brownie Sundays and a movie every Friday night before they started going out. And that was just really great to have a, a meal that you knew everybody liked and a little fun brownie Sunday and, a, and something to look forward to on Fridays. It was a good end to the week. And now we're doing order out every Fridays, every Friday. <laughs> as a way to spice up dinner. There you go, yeah, big splurge. Yeah. Um, well, I wanna thank Paige Trevor for joining us here today on Pandemic Parenting with Pep. You can check out additional resources on Paige's website, balancingactllc.net. Did I get that right? That's right. Um, where she also posts her weekly blog, Nifty Tips. Um, and of course, there are hundreds of resources on PEP's website, pepparent.org, where you can find information on PEP's upcoming live online programs, on-demand videos, which are currently available for 50% off, blog posts, and other resources, um, including articles. I know that you've written quite a few for Washington Parent, and those are also available on the yeah. Yep. And the, yeah, the January 20th Washington Parent article is all about having kids help you out with um, projects around the house. That might be a good read for now. Thanks so much for joining us, Paige. And uh, to our listeners, I just want to remind you that it takes courage to be imperfect.